end uh, part two of the remedy. Hey, did Pastor Andrew do a good job last week? Let's give it up for Pastor Andrew. The remedy, the remedy, Jesus, risen from the dead, is the remedy. And we're going to talk about that today. If you use social media during the service, and I know you do, put uh, hashtag remedy on there. And uh, anything that you hear or uh, maybe a word in the song that you uh, grab your heart and you put that on social media, make sure you put hashtag remedy so we can all look at that on the same page. How many of you ever heard of Harry Houdini? Heard of Harry Houdini back in the 1800s, early 1900s? No, I wasn't alive then. I know some of you are wondering that. I was not alive at that time. But Houdini was a magician, a magician uh, that specialized in spectacular escapes. It was said of him that he laughed at locks and he sneered at fetters. One guy said he's got the flexibility of an eel and the lives of a cat. Throughout his career, he was sealed in a coffin and he escaped. He was riveted into a boiler and he escaped. He was sewn up in a canvas bag and he got out. He was locked into a milk can and escaped. He was sealed in a beer barrel and escaped. He was placed in a maximum security prison and easily found his way out. He escaped all of them. But in October of 1926, old Harry Houdini was taken into the grips of old man death and he was put in a grave and he has yet to escape. On his deathbed, when he knew his days were numbered, he said to his wife, Bess, he said, Bess, if I can escape death on the anniversary of my death, I will contact you. And so it goes on that for 10 years she would light a candle on the anniversary of his death. And in the 10th year, she gave up, blew that candle out, realizing he would never come back to her. Because death had old Harry Houdini, and death was something he could not escape from. Death laid its hands on the Lord Jesus Christ. Death put Jesus in a rock-hued tomb. A stone was laid across the mouth of that tomb, and a seal of the Roman government was placed there. On the third day, Jesus Christ stirred himself, and he rose from the sleep of death. They had wrapped him in grave clothes, but he left them behind as a butterfly would leave behind the cocoon. Jesus Christ passed right through the walls of that tomb. And let me tell you that the stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could get out, but so the disciples could get in and see that their Messiah, their Savior was risen from the dead. He is alive this morning. He is not behind us in a tomb. He is before us on a throne. But I want you to consider something. Paul asked us to consider this. Suppose there had been no resurrection. Suppose there had been no Easter. Suppose Christ had not risen from the dead. Paul says to the church at Corinth, I want you to think about what life would be like if Jesus had not risen from the dead. Let's read it together. 
1 Corinthians 15. We'll begin with verse 12. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and um, it will be up on the screen. We'll have some other scriptures later that are not up on the screen, but these will be. Paul says, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? Now, Paul here is talking about the end times. We believe in an event that is coming on God's calendar called the rapture of the church. We believe that here at the bridge. You say, well, I'm not sure I believe that. That's fine. When we're all going up in the rapture, by the way, this is the sign for going up in the rapture. And when we're all going up in the rapture and you're going up because you found Jesus, we'll look at you and go, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, because we believe. That's Greek for told you. Um, we believe in the rapture here at the bridge. And we believe that when Jesus comes in the rapture, that before the living saints are caught up to be with him, the dead in Christ will rise first. And that is not referring to the Methodist or the Baptist or even the people at the bridge. It is referring to those who have died. They will be resurrected from their graves. And so there is some debate in the Corinthian church about this doctrine and whether or not it's true. And Paul says, let me tell you, why are some of you saying that there's going to be no resurrection of the dead in the end times? Verse 13, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised uh, either. Verse 14, here it comes, this is it, verse 14. And if Christ was not raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And your trust in God is useless. And we, the apostles, if Christ is not risen from the dead, would be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of, dead, of the dead at the end. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless. And you are still under condemnation for your sins. In that case, all who have died believing, they're not in heaven. If they died believing in Christ, they just perished. If Christ isn't risen from the dead. Verse 19, and if he's not risen from the dead... We have hope in Christ only for this life. There will be no next life. And if that's true, then we as Christians are the most miserable people in the world if this is all there is. Verse 20, I love verse 20. But the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who, be, who will be raised to life again. So Paul says, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then there are six tragic truths. And I want to share those with you today. Number one, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then preaching is pointless. Preaching is pointless. Notice what he says in verse 14. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless or our preaching is in vain. Preaching would have no purpose if Christ is not risen from the dead. It would be a colossal waste of your time for me to preach today if he's not risen from the dead. It would be a colossal waste of your time to be here and spend the time listening to me preach. And so we know Christ is risen from the dead. Why would we say that preaching is profitless 
if Christ isn't risen from the dead. Why would we say that? Here's why. Listen. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of every message we preach in this church. Every sermon we preach, it doesn't matter what the topic is. It doesn't matter what we're going to be covering, what we're going to be talking about. Our next sermon series is called What Now? And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, what happened in the book of Acts after that outpouring of the Spirit. And it's going to be about the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus is not risen from the dead, we have no sermon. We have no message. There's no need to preach. There's no need for, to have worship bands who preach the Word of God in music. This is what Paul is saying to us today. He says the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of the gospel. It is the foundation of our message. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. That's where we are. Back up to verse 1 with me and look at what Paul says. And this will not come on the screen, so listen carefully. He says, now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, the gospel, I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now. And here it comes. For your faith is built on this wonderful message. Please get that today. Everything we preach, everything we teach, from the little babies up to the senior saints, of which I are one, it is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 2. And it is the gospel, the good news that saves you if you firmly believe it. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse 3. I love this. Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important. And what had also been passed on to me. And then he tells us what that most important thing was. He says, the thing that I passed on to you that was of utmost importance is that Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, number two, he was buried. And number three, he was raised from the dead on the third day. Paul said there's nothing more important than that message. Paul said it was given to me. I believed and became a follower of Jesus, and it is the exact same message that I give to you. Can I say to you today that a preacher is not preaching the gospel if he is not preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ? If Christ be not risen, preaching is profitless. Number two, if Christ is not risen, faith is for fools. Faith is for fools. Look at verse 14, and if Christ was not raised, your trust in God is useless. Your trust in God is pointless. It is in vain. This means that if Christ is not raised from the dead, then we are here this morning on Easter trusting in something that doesn't deserve our trust. It is not enough to simply believe that Christ died for our sins if we do not also believe that on the third day he rose from the dead to give us new life. Listen to these very simple scriptures in Romans. And I love Romans. One of the reasons I love Romans, it's a deep book. You can wait out into Romans and stay there a long time. But Romans, Paul was in jail when he wrote this. And I love how it tells us that Paul won the Praetorian guards, many of them, to Christ. You know, most of us would have whined and complained that we were in jail. Paul just saw it as an opportunity to reach people for Christ. 
And he began to share with them his story and preach his message and tell them about the gospel. And the Bible says that guards and other prisoners came to Christ. And Paul says in Romans 10 and 9, listen to this. For if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus or that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? That Christ was raised from the dead. When you believe in your heart that God the Father raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 1 and 4, and Jesus Christ, our Lord, was shown to be the Son of God. It was proven, he was proven to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead by means of the Holy Spirit. I heard a little story about a boy. He was about five years old and he was in school and the teacher gave uh, the children, wanted them to write a little paper about somebody they greatly admired. Matter of fact, the title of the paper was supposed to be uh, The Greatest Living Person, I, the person I admire the most, the greatest living person. And some of them wrote about sports figures, and some of, some of them wrote about philosophers and politicians, and some of them wrote about various things. But this little boy wrote about Jesus Christ. And when he handed his paper in, the teacher said, well, this is a nice little paper. She said, but son, it was a paper that was supposed to be written on the greatest living person. And the little boy looked up at his teacher and said, but teacher, he is alive. Jesus is alive. Do you believe that this morning? I believe that. Preaching is pointless if Jesus isn't risen from the dead and faith is for fools. Let's look at number three. The disciples were liars. Paul says this. Paul says, listen now, if Christ isn't risen from the dead, then I'm a liar. The disciples are liars. The apostles are liars. Here it is in verse 15. And if Christ was not raised from the dead, then we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. This is important. Paul was not saying if Christ isn't risen from the dead, we would be mistaken. He says, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then we as disciples and apostles, the very men who wrote the Bible, we are false witnesses. We are false teachers. And people may ask, well, pastor, really, how do you know they didn't make it up? How do you know the whole thing isn't just a made-up story? Well, all you have to do is study history to know why you believe that and why you know it wasn't a made-up story. Because most of these disciples bled for preaching the gospel. They suffered for preaching the gospel. Many of them died for preaching the gospel. And the last time I checked, men will tell a lie to get out of trouble, but I don't know many men who will tell a lie to get into trouble. They weren't telling a lie. They were telling the truth. You know what? Martyrs and hypocrites are not made out of the same thing. A man may live for a lie, but a man will not die for a lie. They believed this. They knew it was true. Some of them had seen him alive, risen from the dead. But if he's not risen from the dead, then I'm a con artist this morning. This church is a fraud. We're all a bunch of fakes and liars. And so we know because they died, they bled, they suffered for this truth that they believed it and that it is true. Let's look at number four. Preaching is pointless. Faith is for fools. The disciples were liars if Christ isn't risen from the dead. Sin wins. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, 
sin wins. Well, I hope that's not true, but that's what Paul says. He says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, listen to this. You are still under condemnation for your sins. I mean, I know my sins are forgiven. I'm not a perfect man, and I mess up, and I have to come before God even now and say, Lord, I messed up. I'm sorry. And uh, trust him to forgive me and trust him to love me and trust him to uh, allow me to remain in his family. But, friends, if Christ isn't risen from the dead, you're looking at a lost man. You're looking at a man that has no hope of heaven. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter how I behave. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, then I am still under the condemnation of my sin. Here's what this verse means, 1 Corinthians 15, 17. It means that if Christ is not raised from the dead, See, this is how God the Father approved of his payment on the cross. The resurrection is proof of God's acceptance of the death of Jesus on the cross. For Jesus' sins? No, for your sins and for my sins. So if Christ isn't raised from the dead, then that means God the Father did not accept payment for our sins. And if God the Father did not accept payment for our sins, then we are still under the penalty of that sin. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ, again, is proof that God the Father looked down. The Bible even says that because he took his sin on us, that the Father had to look away. And that's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he took upon himself all of our sin. But God looked down and, and as any father would suffer to see his, sin, his son suffer, as any father would hurt to see his son hurt. You know, it's one thing to see your children suffer because they made bad choices. It's another thing to see your child suffer when they did nothing wrong. And God the Father looked down and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and I accept what he is giving today, his life, for payment for all of our sins here today. What a beautiful, beautiful story, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look in Romans 4 and 25, Romans 4 and 25, very simple verse. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. Isn't that good news today? Now, I'm going to give you a line of thought here today, and I want you to stay with me in this line of thought. If there's no resurrection, then there's no Savior. Because the only way there can be a Savior is if he rose from the dead. No resurrection, no Savior. No Savior, no forgiveness of sin. No forgiveness of sin, no being made right with God, no justification. No justification, then no cleansing of our sin. If there's no cleansing of our sin, then the penalty of our sin is still on us and we have no hope of salvation. But I'm glad that this old hymn is true. Listen to the words of this old hymn. Loving or uh, living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. 
thank God that we are no longer in our sins. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are no longer in your sins because of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. So let's go back. If he is not risen from the dead, preaching is pointless. Faith is for fools. The disciples were all liars. Sin wins. Number five, death is the end. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, then death is the end. When you die, that's it. It's like turning off a light. But the Bible says, uh, uh, let's read it from 1 Corinthians 15, 18. He says, and if Christ be not raised, then all who have died believing in Christ have simply perished. When I read that, I just thought about, you know, my old grandma, who I believe is in heaven. My old grandpa, who I believe is in heaven. My uncles, who were preachers, who went on before me. And my uh, mom, who uh, one day will be in heaven. And my dad, who one day will be in heaven. My family, my friends, my own son, who I believe is there. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, they're not there. If Christ is not risen from the dead, they're not waiting for me. There's not going to be a homecoming on the other side. If Christ is not risen from the dead, when these people who have passed away or will pass away, when that happens, they're just gone. They just perished. This means that if Christ is not raised from the dead, we will never be reunited with our Christian friends and family again. This means that if Christ is not raised from the dead, then death has been victorious and life is a huge bad joke. Here's what one writer said. He said, those who do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ are asking us to believe that the intelligence that created this vast universe intends that everything he created just run down into the grave. In other words, if he's not risen from the dead, they're asking us to believe that we were just born crying, we live complaining, and one day we'll die disappointed. They said Christ isn't risen from the dead. People preach it. They preach it not a long way off, but in our very neighborhoods and in our very communities. They, you will hear people say it's not necessary to believe in the resurrection of Christ. If that's true, then all we can hope for is to just get sicker and weaker until we just die. Everything will just end up in a veil of tears and we'll just rot away in some grave. Death is a monster that will have dominion over us all and win in the end. But I want to tell you something. I don't believe that. I believe Christ is risen, and I believe because Christ is risen, death will not be victorious in my life. I heard a story about a young pastor uh, who was pastoring a little church, and he had a son who was about four years old, and his wife died. The mom of this little boy died. And they were at the funeral home, and the, the daddy was trying to explain to the son as best he could what had happened to mommy. And as he was sitting there telling him, he said, he said now we're not going to see mommy again. He said, we're going we're gonna to wait, and, and one day we'll all go to heaven, and mommy's there, and we'll see her. And the little boy couldn't understand. He couldn't receive it, and he said, no, daddy. No, Daddy, no, Daddy, you are wrong. Mommy is not just sleeping. I've seen her like this a lot of times. She will wake up. And then the little boy began to cry out, Wake up, Mommy. Mommy, wake up, wake up. And with tears, that young pastor picked up his little boy and held him in his arms and said, 
son, we cannot wake mommy up, but one day Jesus will come and wake her up. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, because I know you're asking, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, I've tried to tell that story several times without crying, it ain't happening. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. This is talking about the rapture. With all of the archangel, uh, with the call of the archangel and with the trump of God. But first, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. One final thing I want to leave with you. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, then we should dread the future. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if we have hope in Christ only, for this life, then we are of, of, most, of all men most miserable. As Christians, we're most miserable if this is all there is. If, this is no, if there's no resurrection of Jesus from the grave, then the only hope we have is the here and now. How sad that would be. And there is no future to look forward to. Ernest Hemingway was a great writer, but he was a godless man. He didn't believe in God, and he said this, he said, life is as though we are all, we are on a colony, we are a colony of ants living on the end of a burning log. That's how this man who's going down in history is a great man. Uh, that's how he looked at life. But I want to tell you as Christians, we have a hope. We have a promise. There's a life beyond this life. As a matter of fact, let me tell you, this life really is nothing. This life really is nothing. The longest this life is going to last, I mean, if you're really blessed, you might live to be 100. If you live a normal life, the Bible says about 75 years is a normal life for us. And, uh, and you know, these are just facts. If you've lived beyond that, you're a blessed person. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not about now. It's not about now. It's not about getting things and putting money in the bank. And I'm not against all those things. But listen, you're going to go out of this world the same way you came in, with nothing. And so it's not this life, it's the next life that is so important and the one that we need to be thinking about. Think about all the people without Jesus. What do they have to look forward to? If there were no Easter, then we would all dread the future. And if the only hope we have is in this life, Paul says again, as Christians, we are most miserable. But then we come to verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. What, a, what a, a message of hope, a verse of hope. He says, the fact is though, all of that aside, the fact is Christ has been raised from the dead. So then what does that mean? Here's what that means. That means that preaching leads to changed lives. It means that faith is essential. It means that the disciples were preachers of truth. Because Christ is risen, your sins can be washed away and your sin, sin is not victorious. It means that death is conquered and our future is not to be dreaded. It is to be anticipated and looked forward to because the future is magnificent. One writer said, Christ has taken the sting out of sin. He's taken gloom out of the grave. He's taken the dread out of death. He has given us a hope that is steadfast and sure, all because of his victory over the grave. I heard a 
fable, or actually I read a fable this week about a, a spider that watched the lion, the king of the jungle, walk into a cave, and that spider thought to himself he was envious of the great king, and the spider said to himself, I will imprison this lion in this cave. And so while the lion was sleeping and taping, taking a nap in that cave, the spider started to weave and web, uh, weave a web across the mouth of that cave. And he, he spun and spun and, and uh, he went back and forth and up and down until the entire mouth of the cave was covered with his web. And the little spider was wore out and he just sat down on the side of the cave wall and said, Now! This mighty lion is my prisoner. No longer will he bask in the golden sunlight. No longer will he seek his prey in the dark night of the jungle. I have taken him captive, and he will be my prisoner until he dies. But after a while, that old lion woke up from his nap, and he stood up, and he shook the dust out of his mane, and he gave a yawn, and he stretched himself, and finally he let out a roar that echoed through the valleys and over the hills. And he walked right out of that cave and never even noticed that there was a spider web across the mouth of it. I want to tell you, my friends, that sin and hate wove a web over the mouth of the tomb. But our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, awoke from his sleep and walked out of that tomb as if there was nothing there. He lives. He lives. He lives. You ask me how I know he lives, say it with me. He lives within my heart. Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, preaching is powerful. Faith is fabulous. The disciples were proclaimers of truth. Sin will be done away with if you will come to him today. Death has been conquered and our future is wonderful because he is risen from the dead. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And I want you to just look at me right here for just a minute. <clears throat> You might be here today and you go, you know, it's Easter, I got invited, I'm here, and, you know, I, I fulfilled my obligation. Let me just ask you something. Do you know, you know what, you know what, guys? Two weeks ago tomorrow, I was in my office working on my sermon that Pastor Andrew got to preach, and... Um, and I got up out of my chair, and I walked into my bedroom to talk to my wife, and I couldn't, I couldn't talk to her. I couldn't speak to her. When I spoke to her, it was slurred. I'm struggling even this morning a little bit with it. I didn't know that was going to happen. I had no idea. Can I tell you something? That was just a little stroke that did a little bit of damage to me. The next stroke I have could take my life. It could take me out. I don't know what's going to happen. I didn't know that morning that was going to happen. I'm not trying to scare anybody here today. You say, don't, don't try to scare me into following Jesus. If I could, I would, though. <laughs> but I want to tell you, because you need Jesus. You need him. But I didn't know that was going to happen to me. I had no idea that was going to happen to me. I was doing great. I had no symptoms. I want to tell you something. You don't know. 
you don't know what life will hold. I talked to a man this morning that uh, tore his ankle up, and he was just talking about how he and his family were visiting a construction site, had no idea that in a split second his life would change as he fell and messed his ankle up. You say, well, that's not a big deal. My whole point in that is just saying to you that you don't know. You don't know. You young people, you say, I'm young. i got my whole life in front of me. You have no idea how many days you have in front of you. You have no idea how much longer you're going to be on this earth. No idea. When Jesus stood in front of Pilate, Pilate asked a question that I want every one of you to ask yourself here today. Pilate said, what am I going to do with this man named Jesus? Can I tell you something? That's the most important question you will ever answer. Because what you decide to do with Jesus will determine your eternity. What you decide to do with Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He's in this house today. His arms are wide open to you saying, come unto me. Come unto me and if you will come to him and bow before him and surrender your life to him, the Bible says in Romans, he will adopt you into his family. And that will make you his child. Good works, good deeds. You might have put $100,000 in the offering this morning. If you did, God bless you. <laughs> we will spend it. But I want to tell you something. That $100,000 will do nothing to get you into heaven. Not one thing. You might go with our team today. We're going to the, uh, serve the homeless this afternoon and give them an Easter service and, and feed them. You can go do that, but that will not make you a Christian. It is your faith and acceptance of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We are not saved by our goodness. We are not saved by our good works. We are saved by our faith in what Jesus did for us. Thank God for that. Because I got to tell you, if I had anything to do, if I had anything to do with my salvation, I wouldn't have a chance. Because sometimes I get it right, but most of the time I get it wrong. But I've been adopted. I've been adopted. You know, Willard and Shirley Hardison are my mom and dad. And I disappoint them. And I let them down. But I'm still in the family. And that's how it is when you get adopted into God's family. You mess up. You fall down. You skin your knee. And God goes, what are you doing? Get up. Brushes you off. Puts his arms around you and says, you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. Amen, amen. And you might be here today and go, yeah, but there are hypocrites in the bridge. Really? Really? Wow, thanks for that. I didn't know. But here's what I would say to you. Come on and join us. One more won't make a big difference. Because <laughs> we're all hypocrites. You say, whoa, time out. I'm not a hypocrite. Listen, if a hypocrite is saying one thing, but doing another thing sometimes, put me in line. I'm one of them. I get up here and preach sometimes and go home, and I'm sitting on the couch, you know, misbehaving. You can misbehave sitting on the couch. And <laughs> Millie goes, didn't you say so-and-so this morning? I go, woman, you just keep that to yourself. <laughs> See, we all, we all mess up. Nobody's perfect. But you know what? It's not about being perfect. It's about being adopted. Don't you want to be adopted into his family today? Just bow your head.
And just say, Lord Jesus, adopt me today. Adopt me. I've been trying to live without you and make decisions without you. I've been trying to live my own life my own way. And it's just not working out. I need you, Lord. I need you. I believe you died on the cross in my place. Because I don't think you ever did a sin. When you went to that grave, you took all my sins with you and they were buried there. And when you rose from the dead, it means I too can have life. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Take over. Take over my life. Take over my thoughts. Take over my actions. I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life. I've lived the first part of my life for me. I want to live the rest of it for you, Lord. Adopt me today. And we're not going to sing 40 verses of Just As I Am and play sad organ music and try to get you to walk up here. We don't do it that way at the bridge. Just right there where you are, just say, I want to follow Jesus from this day on the rest of my life. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Don't understand a lot about the Bible, but this church will help me. Or another church, if this isn't the church God wants me in, another good church will help me. So I'm giving my life to Jesus, and I'm just going to trust him for today. And then when I get up in the morning, I'll trust him for tomorrow. And I'll get in a Bible study, and I'll get in a church, and I'll begin to serve and be a blessing. And the rest of my life's going to be the best of my life from this day on. I'm driving down a marker today. I'm driving down a stake today. I'm going to serve Jesus from now on. I'm going to give my life to Jesus from now on. He died for me. He took my sins to the grave. He rose from the dead for me. Then I'm going to serve him from this day on. And I know one day I'll spend eternity with him in heaven. Thank God for that. Everybody look up.